I was uh, doing some research for uh, the preaching time uh, this evening, and I found something uh, that really encouraged me. Um, the, the source is shaky, but the story is told of a man in Africa who lived maybe a century ago. He was coerced either by his tribe or some other outside group to renounce his faith in Jesus Christ. And for some reason, this quote does resonate in this season, inspires a kind of boldness that seems to be lacking in our culture, but is sorely needed. Let it sink into your soul. He once wrote, I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, applause, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, I lean on his presence, walk by patience, am uplifted by prayer and labor by power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven. My road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few. My guide is reliable, and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, and uh, negotiate at the table of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till I'll know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he'll have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. Amen. May it be so in your life and in mine. And that's why we've met this evening, to continue to meet in the fellowship of the unashamed. We've been talking in, in my uh, opportunities that I've had to preach the last two times at Anchor Baptist Church here. Uh, we've been talking about the church of the living God. The church of the living God. Last Wednesday, we talked about doctrine. And uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, the word of God reads, The house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And Acts chapter 2, verse 42, uh, speaking of the new believers, the 3,000 that trusted Christ, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship 
and in breaking of bread and in prayers. We talked about doctrine last week. I want to dial in on that next word, fellowship. Fellowship. Pastors taught me by proxy and by example that while, yes, God can revive hearts in just one sermon, just like in Acts chapter 2, usually it is faithfulness that is rewarded. And it is the continual working of the Lord over a period of time that is usually much healthier to measure than the instant growth of, wow, we saw 50, 100 people saved in one day. If you have a pen, I want you to write this quote down. This really changed my life. This really helped me. You can write this down. It says, right here, faithfulness is not measured in years, but in decades. Please write that down if you can. Faithfulness is not measured in years, but in decades. We got to be faithful to the Lord in this fellowship of the unashamed. We spoke about author and humorist Mark Twain, who is quoted as saying, it ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It is the parts that I do understand. And though there is some question as to whether he is the original and actual source for this quote, there is no question that he was hostile towards religion. We should not find it surprising when lost people find the Bible awkward or offensive. Paul wrote, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you'd bless this preaching time, uh, this message that you have for us. pray that you'd challenge us and that you would help us today. Fill us with your spirit. May your word go forth with clarity and with power and with confidence. And I pray that uh, you, you would hide me behind the cross of Christ, Lord. And I know sometimes that phrase is used in a strange way, but what I mean is, Lord, that you would fill me and use me today to speak forth the truth and love and the way it ought to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Last week we highlighted how we must keep God's word in our thoughts and in our hearts to obey all that it commands and to continue steadfastly in the doctrine. We must all be saved. Isaiah 45 says, look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth. God said, for I am God and there is none else. Isaiah 45, verse 42. The British preacher Roy Hessian wrote, Grace permits us to approach the throne boldly, nay, demands that we approach as empty sinners to be blessed, empty, with nothing to commend ourselves but our deep need. When at last we are content to find no merit in ourselves uh, and are willing to admit the full extent of our sinfulness, then there is no limit to what God will do for the poor who look to him in their nothingness. What saith the scripture? Acts 16.31 Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved from the wrath of God by grace through faith. This same doctrine teaches that Jesus has made us sit together in heavenly places uh, in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2 verse 6 uh, This is where Jesus is. Uh, the Father has also set Jesus at his own right hand in heavenly places. And spiritually speaking, we are there as well. Our sufficiency is of God. Jesus is enough, and we are in Christ. Our position in Christ does not change uh, based on our sins, but our fellowship with God can be strained if we do not deal uh, with our sin. Uh, 1 John 
addresses the things that hinder our fellowship with God. We're encouraged to live holy lives, and yet when we sin and fall out of fellowship with God, there is hope uh, that it can uh, be restored. Uh, look at 1 John chapter 2. I want to call your attention to 1 John chapter number 2. And look with me together at verse number 1. The first epistle general of John, chapter 2, verse 1. 1 John 2, 1, my little children, these things write I unto you that... Ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus Christ has satisfied the demands of a righteous and holy God. This is the doctrine. This is good doctrine. And Paul said, The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. And let me just tell you today that the uh, theme of 1 John is fellowship. The theme of the uh, book of 1 John is fellowship. You know the Apostle John wrote the first five books of the Bible, and he wrote the Gospel of John, and the purpose of the Gospel of John was to convince sinners, and that is uh, to lead us to faith in Christ. And, the, and then he wrote the book of Revelation, and the purpose of the book of Revelation was to comfort the saints to help us understand the days we're living in, and to give us hope for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then he also wrote these epistles, and these wonderful epistles, and they are written to confirm saints. And so we thank God for this epistle uh, that has for its theme the word know, K-N-O-W, and the word fellowship, and the word life. First uh, John 1, verse 3. Uh, skip your eyes up the page over there to verse 3 of First John uh, one. First John 1, verse 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, uh, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And now he says, John says, I declare the truth. I do this that you might have fellowship. What is fellowship? Fellowship is not, as they might say, two fellows in one ship. Okay? That's not fellowship. Uh, fellowship is not coffee and donuts. Fellowship can include coffee and donuts, but it must have and include Jesus. Uh, Christians uh, standing around talking about sports and family and finances or even about the church is not biblical fellowship. We often call it that, but that's simply Christians socializing and talking scripture, sharing a testimony. And remember, you can't have a testimony if you never had a test, okay? Uh, uh, maybe sharing uh, a testimony relating how God has answered prayer. Uh, these all constitute biblical fellowship. C.S. Lewis said that friendship arises out of mere companionship when two or more of the companions discover that they have in common some insight or interest uh, or, or even a taste which the others do not share uh, in their life and which the basis of all friendships really does start with this, with this question or with this realization. You too? You, you, you also? You, you come from a broken family too? You have that hobby too? Uh, what? I thought I was the only one. Uh, what is fellowship? It goes further than just friendship. But as uh, we've mentioned 
uh, 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 a little bit of what fellowship uh, before. It's a technical word that you may have fellowship with us. It is the Greek word koinonia. And koinonia means to have in common, to have in common. And because of Jesus, there is a fellowship that is experienced, uh, and we can have our shared joy and our walk with another. You've heard people say, uh, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I can be a Christian. I don't need to go to church. And they are absolutely right. Salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ alone. But you don't have to go to, ho- you don't have to, go to your home to be married. And uh, stay away from home long enough, and your relationship will be affected. We joy with one another. Being together is natural. If there's zero desire to simply be around each other, and inhabit the same space, and not merely to stand for three hymns and sit down for one in a formal meeting, we better examine ourselves whether we be in the faith, because a desire to be in church is going to uh, be central to your being. Like, you want to be around other Christians. You want to be around other people that believe the same thing, that mind the same things. And so John says, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Brother Andrew, what do, you, what do you have in common with the Father? Brother Yassine, what, what do you have in common with God? Nothing. We don't have anything in common uh, with the Father. He is almighty. He is the holy God. Uh, we are worms. And because of our unrighteousness, we cannot stand in the presence of God. And God, who knows that there's a chasm between you and himself, has sent the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus kept his deity, but also took on humanity. Now we begin to have a likeness. We become partakers of the divine nature, 2 Peter chapter 1 says. And the word partaker there is exactly from the same word that is uh, translated as fellowship in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 3. It literally means to have something in common. Now notice who we have fellowship with. And notice he says in 1 John chapter 1 verse 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye, you all, also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, how can me, how can I have fellowship with a holy God? And, and yet the Apostle John says our fellowship is with the Father. I have nothing in common with the Father. But 1 John uh, 1, uh, verses 5 and 6, that this then is the message which we have heard from him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. We're in the dark. He's in the light. I mean, there's a great chasm between us and Almighty God. And so uh, this God, who knows that there's this chasm between me and himself and between you and himself, sent the Lord Jesus Christ to take something that is common between us, and that is human flesh. And Jesus becomes a man now, and he never uh, really, he never ever discards his deity, uh, but now he takes humanity, and now we begin to have likeness. We become together. He takes on the nature of man that I might take on the nature of God. And he says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, we now have become partakers of the divine nature. And so I have fellowship, and you have fellowship, Brother Barry, because of God and with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
a man, a wretched man like me, and a wretched person such as you are. Uh, we can have fellowship with him. We can walk and talk and fellowship with him, and we can sing uh, songs like, I come to the garden alone when the dew is still on the roses and a voice I hear falling on my ear. The Son of God discloses, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. That's the fellowship. That's the koinonia that we have with him because of the incarnation. And that's the reason old John is saying, look, he's a man. He's a man. We saw him. Uh, uh, that are words uh, that we have handled. Uh, 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 the words of life. We heard him. Uh, we took, uh, uh, he took the nature of man that we might take the nature of God. And so we've become partakers of the divine nature, but only through Jesus. Second uh, Peter uh, chapter one. Let's turn there. Second Peter chapter one. Verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world, in the world, through lust. And then you see, look. Not only do we have fellowship with God, but it follows as night follows day that we must have fellowship with one another. And because when I'm born of God and you're born of God, the same nature that's in me is the same nature that's in you. And if we have fellowship with God, um, our lives are going to be different and our lives are going to be changed. Uh, you can flip back to 1 John 1, 1 John 1 again. And it says in verse 4, these things we write unto you that your joy may be full. Do you want joy? This is where it's found. There's no joy like fellowship with Jesus. And John says, in effect, this is why I wrote this book, that ye may have joy. You can look all over for joy, but you will not find it unless you find it in fellowship with God. And such sweet fellowship is God's will. If you live for happiness... You're a prisoner of your circumstances, but Jesus never changes. You can be lost and be happy for a while. Well, we're not talking about happiness. We're talking about joy, and happiness depends on what happens, but joy only comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. If you live for happiness, you're, you're going to be a prisoner of your circumstances, and happiness is cosmetic on the outside. We know that joy is character on the inside. Happiness is like a thermometer. It registers conditions. Joy is the thermostat that controls the conditions. Joy intensifies in a crisis. Happiness is fullest when it is mingled with joy. And this life that comes from God is real. It is a fact. It results in koinonia, in fellowship with God and with each other. And then you have fullness of joy in your Christian life. Psalm 16, verse 11. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. 1 John 1, 6 through 7. If we say that we fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. What is the definition of fellowship in the Bible? Biblical fellowship can be between two individuals. And the best uh, example of this is the fellowship that Jesus wants to personally have with each and every one of us. 
Revelation 3, verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. And this passage is written to the church. It's written to sage people, people who are Christian. And take note that Jesus is speaking and knocking, and he refers to the uh, person on the other side of the door as him. And uh, it's singular. And Jesus desires for each one of us to have and maintain intimate fellowship with him. In, in uh, Acts chapter 2, you know that 3,000 people uh, were saved. And uh, that's just one day. Now, if you were to take, if I were to take 3,000 people and just all different races, all different backgrounds, all different life stories, and we just put them in Disneyland, all of them are going to have different reasons for being there. They don't all have the same purpose for being there. Of course, they were kind of cajoled and forced into it. Uh, but most people don't have to be forced to go to Disneyland, especially if you have free tickets. But really, uh, the 3,000 people of Acts chapter 2 were not like this. They were all at the same event. But there was a oneness that was there because of salvation in Jesus. And they experienced oneness and purpose and action. They experienced fellowship with the Lord corporately. And this kind of fellowship strengthens the bond we have in Christ and with each other as we encourage one another to be faithful in, in our walk with our Lord and Savior. We have the same nature. In a sense, we're born from the same womb, the womb of grace, and that's uh, so important. And that's why the Bible calls that in Philippians 1.5, the koinonia, or the fellowship of the gospel. And that's the reason Philippians 2 verse 1 is called the koinonia, or fellowship of the spirit. And by the way, let me say a word here. Uh, no Christian should ever married, uh, marry an unsaved person. Don't do it. Don't do it. The Bible says, uh, if you're single and you're looking to get married, okay, the, the Bible says you're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And uh, he asks the question, for what fellowship, what koinonia hath light with darkness? Don't you realize you're twice born as a child of God? And those who are not twice born, those who are not of the truth, Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. And uh, you talk about in-law problems, you got the devil for a father-in-law. I mean, you think about it, there's, there's no fellowship, there's no common life there. And I thank God for the fellowship that I have with my family, and uh, not just the love, but the fellowship we have and the things that we have in common. 1 John 1, verse 4, these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. There's no joy like the joy of knowing one another in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we call uh, all of this uh, it, it, sweet fellowship. It's sweet. And so we all want joy, but we got to find it in God's word. A woman lost her house, uh, her house keys. This woman, she lost her house keys, and she couldn't find them. She looked all over the house. She couldn't find them. She looked in her purse, and there they were. You know why she didn't find them before she looked in her purse? She was looking in the wrong place because the keys were in her purse. Now, now you can look all over for joy, but you're not going to find joy unless you find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. A joy is the byproduct of fellowship with God and fellowship with the family. And so we need to be uh, with the family. And so uh, many of us, you know, there's YouTube, there's TikTok, there's, there's uh, television, there's movies, there's distractions. And uh, we have entertainment, we have amusements, uh, we have more restaurants and uh, more businesses and 
uh, all, all these things to distract us, but more loneliness and more depression and more alcoholism and more drugs and more divorce and more suicide than ever is being documented in the statistics. And why? Because, friend, the only true joy is to be found in Jesus Christ. We're not dependent on oratory, illustration, or logic to convince people. Thank God. We are here today uh, because of what God did for us. And the Holy Spirit is here to say this is true. This is the witness of God. John 4, 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, John, John is essentially saying in verse number three, uh, that which we have seen and heard, we, uh, we, we have seen this, we've heard it, and so we declare it to you. John is saying, I saw it, and now I want to share it. Amen. And that is why Christians are called witnesses and not lawyers. A lawyer argues a case, and a witness just tells you what he saw. And so as God's witness to you, may I encourage you, hey, be in church. Make an effort, okay? I, I've turned the Bible inside out. I can't find the verse that says, thou shalt attend every church service, and every time the church doors are open, uh, you must be there. I do find not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. If you know to do good and do it not, to him it is sin. Proverbs 28 uh, uh, helps us, iron uh, sharpens iron, and Proverbs 18 as well. Iron sharpens iron, and man uh, sharp, sharpens the countenance of his friend. It's been said before that compassion is your hurt and my heart. But compassion is most deeply felt not over the phone or by Zoom, but by sharing the life of the body. Doctrine, fellowship. What is fellowship? It comes through the life that we have with Jesus Christ. Not everybody has life. You can exist, but not have life. That is why Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And so our fellowship needs to be around the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so Paul and the Philippians recognized in each other common devotion. Uh, but I would that you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened to me have fallen out uh, rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Only let your lifestyle, your conversation, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I might hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, uh, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Why would God renew your mind if he didn't want you to use it? Wisdom is not goosebumps and liver shivers. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we will begin to think God's thoughts after him when we spend time with the Lord and with his people. You don't have to pray about putting on your socks Okay, there, there's some things we don't pray about, right? Um, but there are things that we should be praying about. And so keep that in mind. Uh, when you're around God's people, you're around some people who are wiser than you. In the multitude of counselors, there's safety. So we must learn to enjoy the fellowship of people wiser than you and wiser than me. Okay? God is better. Christ is better. His way is better. 
and a thousand biblical and experiential description of, of why his word or his way or his future or his greatness, or his guidance, his value, his, uh, his beauty, uh, his friendship, uh, all, all these things really prove that his friendship, friendship with God is better. The pleasures of even the reproaches of Christ are greater wealth than the pleasures of Egypt. Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. One might say to his brother in Christ, if you shrink back, if your heart is deceived and hardened, unbelieving, you'll be destroyed. And that too is part of what Christian fellowship says to possibly a straying friend. Sometimes it's uh, another exhortation. He's better. Hey, he's better. He's infinitely better. The Lord is better. Other times the exhortation is, if you leave him, you will be destroyed. Of course, 90% of the interchanges between Christians are not in crisis, but every one of them counts for eternity. We are either weakening people's affections for God or strengthening them. We are either building up towards heaven or tearing down towards hell. There are no meaningless moments. Life is awesomely meaningful at every moment. He is better. He's enough. So don't leave him. Be strong. God has you in his hand. If you're a Christian, you are united to Christ in a mutual bond with all other Christians. And so you are therefore in a profound eternal relationship of love with all believers. And your calling, or my calling, is to be an encourager in all of these relationships. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Step number one is to receive Jesus Christ as one's Lord and Savior, to be born again. We can't talk about fellowship if you don't yet know the Father. If you're not saved, God can save you from the wrath of God. Or Jesus can save you from the wrath of God, and I know he will if you'll ask him. So would you pray a prayer like this? Lord, I acknowledge my sin. I know that my sins deserve judgment, but I also know, Lord, that you love me and you want to save me. Jesus, you promised to save me if I would trust you. I do trust you, Jesus. I believe you carried my sin to the cross and paid the sin debt with your blood. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And right now, this moment, I open my heart. I receive you now. Right now, I receive you. Right now, I trust you. This moment, I receive you now. Come into my heart. I give it to you. Save me, Lord Jesus. Save me, Jesus. I don't look for a sign. I don't ask for a feeling. I stand on your word. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And now, Lord Jesus, you're the Lord, my Savior, my God, and my friend. And I will follow you and live for you all the days of my life, the rest of my life. And Lord, I'll not be ashamed of you. Lord, I'll make this public. In your name I pray. And if you've prayed something like that, it's not the words that save you, but it's the Christ that you are praying to. If you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe you're online, maybe you're in the building right now, you've asked him to be your savior, tell someone about it. Hey, in this congregation, we'd love to rejoice with you. Christian, God is faithful, by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. Christians, let's pray that God would make us Christians that enjoy fellowship.